What's up, everybody? It's Josh with another episode of the Affiliate Marketing Show. I am from OfferVault.com, the industry's number one aggregator of all things affiliate marketing. As normal, we also have the call daddy, Adam Young, as well as daddy call bucks, Harrison Gewurz, plus Luke Kling, the founder of Afflift, one of the industry's most well-known internet marketing and affiliate marketing forums and advertising websites. What's going on, Luke? How are we doing? Doing good. Doing good. Not often you get to hang out with cool people like you guys, you know, so... Yeah, me and Adam, I agree 100%. Yeah, I agree with you, Josh. <laughs> no, I'm from. So, uh, Luke, I, uh, we normally don't talk about how our guests met Adam and Harrison anymore. We typically dive right into topics, but I heard there is a little bit of an interesting story about how you met Adam. I'd love to hear the, uh, the details on that, what year it was, and what the, uh, what the scenario was for you guys. Yeah, I'm um, the year to hear Luke's version too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a this is a good story. I've told this a few times. Um, so I got my start in the affiliate industry. I was an affiliate manager uh, for this uh, network back in the day called XY Seven, and I started when I was in high school. And when I went to go to college, uh, like the summer that I was I was moving out of my mom's house to go move into my dorm to go to college, I quit on good terms. I like said, you know, I want to focus on school. So I'm, I'm going to go to college and then, you know, hopefully down the road, I'll be able to reconnect with you guys. And Kevin, the, the owner of XY7 was real cool about it. But one of the last accounts that I approved was this guy named Adam Young and approved him and all that stuff. He got assigned to me and then I like transferred him over to the new AM and, and quit. Well, fast forward about a year and a half, uh, I was halfway through my sophomore year and my buddy and I were getting an apartment together, you know, to, to live off campus and all this other stuff. And, uh, I needed to make some money. So I went back to Kevin. I was like, Hey, Kevin, man, you know, I, I need a job. <laughs> and he was real cool about it. I started uh, doing affiliate management again for them. And, uh, it wasn't, I mean, it was within six months LeedsCon was going on and Kevin was like, Hey, you want to go to this conference with us? And I was like, absolutely. I'd never been to a conference. And, uh, so he, he got me a plane ticket, all that flew me out. Uh, they rented a house and he had said like, uh, we're having, we rented a big house cause there's quite a few of us and we're letting some of our big affiliates stay with us. And I was like, cool, you know, whatever I'm, I'm down with whatever, you know, I'm in college. I got no money. Like whatever you want to do, Kevin, I'm there. <laughs> and, uh, so I get to this house real late at night. No one else is there. The other guy, like the, the whole team's still gone. Nobody is at the house. I like fell asleep. Uh, I woke up to, I believe Adam was the one that actually woke me up and introduced himself. And he was staying with us because he was a big affiliate with them. And uh, he's the one that told me actually like, hey, you know, by the way, uh, I've made millions of dollars since uh, since we, you know, you you were the one that approved me and I've made millions of dollars since. And but you quit and, you know, I was reassigned and I was paid a commission as an affiliate manager back then. So like all the money that Adam had made, like I was going to get a cut of, but I quit to go to college instead and lost out on like probably hundreds of thousands of dollars in commission. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that was my, like how I met Adam in real life. And uh, it's still a story to this day that like I was telling my nephew, I was telling my nephew about this, uh, doing this po uh, podcast with you guys. And he you're really like, selling the dream of college. 
<laughs> that, that was the thing I told him about this. And, like, and I was like, now listen, Logan, like you still have to go to college. Like, this is, you know, like this was a one-off situation. Like long-term benefit has been good for me, but you know, in the short term, when Adam told me and like, you know, I processed it for a little while, I was like, dang, like that was, I missed out. But you know, <laughs> things happen, you know, life happens, but yeah, it was, that, that was how I met Adam in real life. And yeah, said but you know talked at conferences and stuff ever since and you know it's not his fault but it is kind of upsetting well if it makes you feel any better you didn't have to deal with me um so like you would have been paid a lot but then you didn't have to deal with me so i mean there is some upside and we didn't have to <laughs> stay in bunk beds again i think that's the part of the story that you missed was uh we we literally bunked up bunked up yeah that's <laughs> sounds right <laughs> that was such a cool show like that was so much fun like kevin like, you know kevin's such a great guy and it was it was such an awesome experience like you know i've been to affiliate summit i've been to affiliate world like you guys go to way more conferences than i do but i've been to a lot and like that was my first show and it's still something that i remember and actually at that show full circle here i met uh chad french who ended up being the he was the founder of purefly the affiliate network that i worked for after xy7 and then i helped found purefly and all that and i met him at leedscon uh when i was there with you guys so like you know full circle things happen like life has its path but yeah it was it was just kind of crazy so luke what year was that first conference you went to uh so yeah that's i suck at years uh i would guess like 2008 would be okay that would be my guess i was there 2007 2007 okay yeah one of those it actually look i hate to do this to you on the pod but it was actually ad tech san francisco at the masconi no. center in the main hall and the house we stayed in was in brisbane which is a little suburb outside of san francisco yeah i knew i knew it wasn't i knew the house wasn't <laughs> in the same location because the taxi driver like kevin told me that people were going to pick me up nobody picked me up and i like he's like <laughs> He's like, just get a, just take a cab. And I was like, I'm from a small town. I've never taken a cab. But anyway, take a cab. That's how like, you know you've been in the industry a long time if you had to take a cab at a trade show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get a cab, like a real cab. And there was like a gate code to get into the house. Text Kevin for that. He sends me that. And like, nobody's there. Anyway, I was like, I hope this is the right house. But yeah, it all turned out. So 2007. This was actually the same okay. show. Hold on a second. This was actually the same show that I met Harrison. Oh, was no, I think it might have been show. a year later. No, I think it was a year later. Because well, I was Adam and I met at a very luxurious Michelin starred Italian restaurant by the name of Buca di Peppo in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got good family <laughs> portions from what I hear. <clears throat> very yeah, large. Super, super not delicious. So, 2007. So wait, Adam, do you have like notes on every conference you've ever been to or what? <laughs> No, I in here I keep in my internal CRM, you know. <laughs> yeah. I have a uh, extra solid state drives up here. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> so Luke, I know you have uh referred to the 2010s, if you will, uh of affiliate marketing as the wonder years. And I'm wondering what do you mean by that? Why was why was 2010 to 2019 or maybe you can clarify your definition of that. Why were those the wonder years of, of affiliate marketing and how has the industry kind of changed since then? 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I would say those were the the wonder years for me personally. But I know, you know, you guys, uh, Harrison and Adam specifically, like, yeah, I know you guys have like a long history of like, you know, dominating the industry. And you guys were in, you know, earlier than I was as far as like actually like banking hard off of it. Uh, for me, it was after college when I started working for um, Purefly, uh that was, I graduated in 2011 from college and started working full-time for Purefly, the affiliate network then, and moved here to Florida to, to open our office. And so, like, I just got, I mean, that was, the, those were the years that, like, we really took off and that, like, I personally uh, probably had my most success up to that, definitely up to that point um, was throughout those, uh, you know, that, that the, those 10 years from, like, you know, 2010 to 2019 i would say were pretty solid what uh, were it was, some of the, it was like, just like it, i think there was an explosion in the industry during that time i mean we had we were we were super early you know prior to that and then i feel like during that time you know was when there was a real explosion in the industry and you know we're still uh growing um but i think that those years specifically for me anyway were were top notch what, do, what gonna... do you guys think adam and, and harrison like wh- where where do you I mean, I, I think the true kind of industry boom might have been like two, 2008, nine, like those shows that you guys were yeah. at when ad tech was a thing. It was like just <laughs> like think about the consolidation that's happened within traffic sources. And yeah. this was pre consolidation of traffic source. So you go to a trade show now and I love I mean, I'm going to one in a couple of days. But there's zero traffic sources because there's only mm-hmm. like four traffic sources and they're all bajillion dollar companies, right? Mm-hmm. Back then it was like, oh, I'm gonna go buy some some interstitials from Adbright and oh, there's the <laughs> Clicksor booth. They got bot traffic I can purchase or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go buy some from those people and this people and oh, Google's at this trade show embracing this right. industry. Like that was the shit. Now I love the industry today, but like, I think that started to change around like 2013. So like that five years, like 28 to 13 yeah. is like probably the gold, the gold mine times. Like you go get a shovel and just dig and you find gold. Like mm-hmm. when Adam and I started working together like 10 years ago, like we had some campaigns where the ROI was just like, dude, I didn't even try. Look at this shit. And he would be like, what in the fuck? And then he'd be like, hold on, <laughs> let me try something. And then he'd send me a screenshot and I'd be like, we're, I'm going to bed and I'm going to make a bunch of money. I'll be up in eight hours. Like <laughs> it was wild. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, and that's right around, yeah, like 2010, 2012, 2013. Like it was just an incredible, it was also around the time I, I started to use chopsticks, Adam. I just thought about that. So like they kind of yep, inside. I remember. chopsticks, industry boom, you know, it's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. On a sidebar here, uh, Harrison's first time using chopsticks was because I had ordered a lobster roll at the it was a hundred dollars it was a hundred dollars hundred dollar sushi roll and this asshole literally takes his fingers and in the not the end piece like fingers the middle of the roll and picks a piece up like his hand just like slides across the top of the sushi roll and just he like knocks a bunch of just fingers the top of the roll I was, why you gotta why you gotta say it again? We we heard it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was just 
a miss. I think that was one of the most surprising moments of my life. I didn't know how to react to it. And we had a candid conversation about how he was going to learn to use chopsticks. And to his credit, he is an expert uh, today. Um, but to I now point, look at you know, people in shame when they use chopsticks. I'm like, what? you gotta, you gotta go up more. You gotta, I like, I give people form advice. I've come a long ways on the, on the chopstick. Yeah. So to like Harrison's point there, um, during the, the late 2000s and the early 2010s, I used to have a spreadsheet that was like 300 traffic sources. Um, and anytime I was running a campaign, I would find a campaign, I would do research, see what people were running on the major traffic sources, and then I would go test it on 20, 30, 50 um, other traffic sources. And I met a lot of amazing people who are still in the industry today by doing this. Like, for instance, Yancey, who's been on the show, used mm -hmm. to be at Elephant Traffic, and they were a third tier domain redirect traffic source. Um, and I made a killing on that. And there are a lot of other traffic sources that just didn't have a lot of competition or people weren't really willing to think outside the box. You know, I did a lot with traffic sources like VigLink, where you could target specific keywords that would then show up as links on websites and Harrison said on interstitials. And, you know, there were all sorts of traffic networks that were very, very different back then. And so there's just like this wide variety of ability to go out and, and find pockets. And you, you weren't going to get rich really on any specific traffic source, but you might be able to do a few thousand dollars a day or a thousand dollars a day on one and then replicate that across 20 or 30 other traffic sources. And combined, you could do hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars a day um, in media spend. And these traffic sources used to be uh, a lot higher margin too. And um, it's kind of a shame how the industry has consolidated, though those that master Facebook, Google, Bing, these other traffic sources um, now can do immense scale very, very quickly, mm -hmm. which is super cool. But it's changed how people well, have Well, if they don't like what you're operate. doing, you're fucked, though. That's the thing. Yeah. It's true. And, you know, yeah. Luke, what's interesting is uh, I know you're not heavy into paper call, but what's interesting about paper call is there's so many different traffic sources. It's almost like 10 years ago where you literally can have like yard signs printed, you know, need a plumber call now. Right. And literally mm -hmm. just slam them into the ground. You can do classified ads and things like the yellow pages and directory listings and like offline uh, billboards and digital billboards and direct mail. And like, there's just so many different traffic sources because it's just a phone number. You can do QR code to call. Um, that is very similar to how it was 10 years ago for clicks. We also have TV and OTT uh, streaming services like Spotify. And so mm. that's why I really like calls. Um, and obviously I'm biased, right? Uh, as CEO of Ringba, I'll disclaim it. But um, that's why I like calls, because to me, it was like the way we used to media buy uh, 10 and 15 years ago. Uh, there's a lot of creative opportunities to do that. And so um, I think as digital gets more and more saturated, uh, affiliates are going to have to come up with unique ways to drive campaigns. And the highest margin ways are always the ways that other people aren't aren't doing. About. Like, sure, I was, yeah, was going to say, scale. like... Even if Google makes it harder or Bing or whatever, wherever you're buying traffic, 
it just forces you to innovate. And then that in tune also gives the consumer a better experience all around because you got to, you know, be strategic and smart about what you're building and think about the customer more. In 2008, let's just say less thought went to the customer experience and more <laughs> to the like, how many sales can we get as fast as possible? So, you know, it's it's changed in such a positive way in that, in that regard, for sure. So Luke, you said the uh, wonder years. I'm curious, what were some of your biggest, like in your opinion, your biggest personal growth that you did achieve yourself in those years. I'm assuming if those were the best years for you or some of the best years during your time in this industry, maybe you noticed uh, a few personal developments in your business life that have kind of stuck with you today. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of my personal growth was uh, happened during that time frame. like um, moving to Florida and helping start PeerFly. Like PeerFly was already a business, but really, building it into like what it ended up being uh that all happened you know early on in that you know 2011 to 2013 and there's nothing like working for a startup like i love i now you know i work for myself i work from home and i love everything about what i do but the vibe and the uh, motivation that you get working at a startup is really hard to beat like it's crazy especially when things are going good when it's when things aren't going good it's definitely you know it's tough. You, you, I've, I've listened to you guys' podcast and I've heard you talk about work-life balance. And early on, I would say like, that was something I wasn't focused on. You know, it was just grinding. Adam, Adam, keep... Adam just shook his head. No. <laughs> when you said <laughs> Cause he doesn't believe work -life I, I balance that. doesn't exist. If you want to win. I understand that's your position on it. Um, and <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like early on, like with, with Purefly and the startup, like that, that is what it was like, you know, we had to keep the lights on, you know, so we were constantly trying to figure out how we were going to grow. And, you know, we went from 30,000 affiliates to having 400 to 500,000 apply before we shut down. So we, we saw a massive growth during that like nine year uh, window. So yeah, that, that was big. And then I had kids during that time frame, and that's obviously, you know, on a personal level changes everything. Um, and then at towards the end of it is when Purefly shut down, I launched Afflift about a year before Purefly shut down. And then there was a lot of, for me personally, like transitioning from working for a company and, and working with this team to working by myself for myself and uh, you know, luckily I'd already established pretty well. So I wasn't, you know, in, in the grind mode where I had to keep the lights on, you know, it, it was, things were going all right. So that wasn't as, as big of a concern, but it allowed me to, you know, develop a business and, you know, learn how to develop and run a business on my own. So, yeah, I mean, the, the early on the, the growth that I saw, like personally was, you know, how to get an audience, you know, build my own audience uh, from, I had a blog at the time. I worked a lot with a lot of publishers at Purefly. So building an audience, becoming like an authority in the industry, and then using that and leveraging that when I needed to. Um, so yeah, that 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 time frame was was big for me in, in all those ways. And I also started a, my first SaaS company, uh, my first software that I developed myself, uh, which was actually my first successful like company, quote unquote, that was my own um, during that time frame. So business development was a big thing for me up until you know recently i'm curious luke if you're willing to talk about it what happened 
to pure fly. Like, I don't actually know. I know you guys closed it, obviously, but like what happened, what caused it? Like, do you have a post-mortem that you've, I'm sure you do because you're a thoughtful guy. Like, are you willing to, to talk about that? So there were a couple of bad financial decisions. Uh, we'll say that there were bad, poor financial decisions. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily something that I could have helped avoid or that any you're in really good company, just... Luke. Yeah, <laughs> you, you understand, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably a semi similar situation, you know, like just bad financial decisions, which I, I, I grew up with no money. So I've been a frugal person and, and, you know, c- pretty conservative financially for a long time. So when I worked for Purefly and things started to blow up, you know, I had a different position than uh, a mental position than other people did about, you know, where funds should go and things like that. And, you know, I think it turns out that I was probably right. <laughs> and, you know, that's the postmortem for me is looking back is like, well, we definitely could have done a few things differently. And, you know, it could have could have all worked out. Um, but yeah, just a, a few, few poor financial decisions really is, is what ended up uh, bringing the whole thing down. Let's talk a little bit about Afflift. I know that's kind of your passion and your main focus right now. What was your reason for creating it? You know, in my opinion, I feel like there are a lot of forums and blogs in this industry. I'm sure you had a reason to make this one different and better. So when you were putting it together, what was kind of your thought process on that? And where do you see it now in terms of its place within the affiliate marketing industry today? Sure. There was a combination of reasons why I decided to start it. Um, when I worked for Purefly and I was, uh, for a while, I was the only affiliate manager. So like I was managing like 30,000 accounts and that's when I decided like, okay, I need to make a blog because I'm answering the same email over and over and over again. Like, this is stupid. Like I'm going to create a blog and write article about this problem. You know, here's your pain point. Here's the solution. And then somebody emails me about, it, I can say, Hey, just look at this you know, read through this and let me know if you have any questions. And so that's why I started the, the, my blog back in the day. Uh, Cause there weren't really, there, there were resources, but there weren't, they weren't specific resources to specific problems. It was more generalized and theory and stuff like that. A lot of affiliates like to write, you know, cause nobody wants to give away all their secrets in this industry. Like you give away your secrets and then you have, uh, you know, 10,000 competitors doing the same thing. So, my goal was to more, you know, educate and try to just create a reference. You know, this, this is, this is where you can go. And as that grew, I realized that there was going to be an opportunity to like actually make money from it. You know, I was just blogging to try to, to help people and make my job easier. I put some banners on, started making money that way, but it became obvious, like this is information that people would pay for. And yes, there are a lot of forums. And back in the day, there were a lot of blogs. There's not as many today. Um, but it was obvious that people would pay for a resource like that. Like there were free forums that kind of sucked. They got too much spam. And then there are gurus that were charging, you know, $500 an hour. And I knew there would be a middle ground. So that's, that's why I launched Afflip and that's why I did it. I was like, well, I don't want a free forum, uh, because I'm providing premium information, like valuable information that people are, I know would pay for. So uh, creating Affleck was an opportunity to, for me to share that information, but then also because it's a forum, it also is a platform for other people to share their, their insights and their information. Um, 
So be careful yeah, with your I, use of the word guru around Harrison. He's very <laughs> sensitive about it. Don't call him. I, one. I, well, I, I am one, call. so I, I take it, you know, very <laughs> personally. We have, on on Athlift, we have the grand guru, which is like, you know, the it's the BS title just for BS people, you know, like we, we also, I'm not a big fan of guru. Most people in the industry know, you know, that's not a, it's not necessarily a positive thing. It's a joke among everyone, but it's true. Like people, people, you know, try to sell information that should be more freely available for way too high of a price point, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, like I said, when I was coming, when I was growing up and, and back in the day when Kevin, from XY7 bought my website, I couldn't have afforded any of the information uh, that people were trying to sell at the time for, you know, $500 or whatever. So my, my thing was, if I launch Athlift, I create this community, I can make it affordable for everybody. Like I want, you know, this guy in India that is interested in affiliate marketing to be able to learn like the right way to do it. So he's not just getting uh, scam tactics off of Telegram, you know, like I want, anyone to be able to get access to the information, but it needs to be a sustainable business. So I have to charge something. So I just, you know, made a $20 price point, did that five years ago and haven't raised the price. So that, that's, I never intend to raise the price. That's what I've said on multiple things. Like there's no reason to like, this is sustainable business. I'm fine. I'm able to pay my employees, like whatever, let's just keep growing it. And uh, it's uh, a community like that. You have a networking effect, right? It's, it's like why social media works. Uh, the more people that are on it, the more valuable it is for everybody. So by making it affordable, I'm bringing people in that can provide insights that, you know, I might not see, you know, this guy from India knows the specific traffic source in India uh, and he can write about it. And I, and I don't know shit about that. So it's perfect. You know, he's providing value to all the people from India that are on the forum. Um, so anyway, yeah, that that's the whole purpose of the forum. That's why I launched it. Uh, I figured I would be able to make a little bit of money off of it. I never thought it would get as big as it has. And uh, yeah, it's what I focus on primarily full time now. Um, originally, to, after I launched, sorry, I was going to say, have you had to boot anybody from it for like doing fraud or shady stuff or being just real mean and aggressive towards other members? So we have, we've developed a culture in the forum, which is interesting. Like, you know, the whole idea, my, my thing is like, you know, I, I'm not a grinder. Like I'm not the guy that's going to like preach grinding and all that. Um, and I'm not an ego Stop guy. <laughs> and I'm not an ego guy. So like, that's like the culture we've kind of developed is like just being helpful and friendly, you know, like don't be a dick, like keep it, keep your ego at the door. And we've had people come in, you know, pay their 20 bucks. And then like, just, and in fact, it just happened last month where this guy was just don't tell him about how you banned me last month. please. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Quick. You know, quick. If, if you're, we're trying to build this community so that like, it's helpful for everybody. If you're just going to come in and be a dick, like just leave. Like we don't, the $20, it doesn't matter. So just go like, you know, like find another forum. Um, so yes, we have, we have absolutely uh, booted. I have, so I have seven other community leaders, I call them. And uh, they're guys that, they're content creators, uh, essentially, like they, they work for me. Uh, they create guides and stuff on the forum. They're experienced affiliates. And uh, we have a Skype chat. And when somebody comes in and they turn into a turd, we're like, all right, we're going to get it. We, we're going to, how long are we going to let this happen? You know, like we, we don't, you know, it's not obviously not the goal to, to kick somebody to the curb just because they post something stupid, you know, whatever. We all have our days. 
but uh, when it's consistent, then it's like, all right, we're we going to have a talk with this guy. Are we just going to boot him now? Or, you know, how are we going to address this? Um, so yeah, it has happened. It's not, not as often as you would think. And for the most part, people, people realize early on, like what we're all about. And if they're a part of it, boom, if not, they'll cancel and leave. So whatever. Let's talk about the content creation you mentioned, uh, as well as blogging and SaaS, you know, a few things I know you're pretty passionate about. What, in your opinion, is good content? What makes good content? What do people need to do to get people interested in the material that you're putting out there? I mean, it's all about just pain points, right? You figure out what what is the problem that somebody's having, you know, and do you know the solution to the problem? Like, that's the key. I mean, the number one thing is to write about things that you do understand. You like create content around stuff that you're actually knowledgeable, which with AI and stuff, that's going to be, there's going to be a gray area. There already is a gray area, but it's going to get more gray. Um, but yeah, so for, for me, content creation is all about writing about things that you're passionate about and interested about uh, and that you're you know fairly knowledgeable about. You, you don't have to be an expert, I wouldn't say, to, to create good content around a topic. Um, but you want to be able to help people solve their problems. And if you can do that, that's, I mean, that's all you, if you can solve people's problems through content, like you're good. That's the golden egg. Like you're, 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 you're going to get the traffic from word of mouth. You're going to get the traffic from referral. You're going to get the traffic from Google. You're going to get the traffic from everyone. You know, you're going to get the readers. So um, when I started blogging, that was kind of, you know, I was creating a reference, but at the same time, I was just trying to see, okay, I've had 35 affiliates email me about this one specific issue. Like, okay, they want to know how to use this spy tool, or they cannot figure out how to set up a postback or whatever the problem is, write a detailed article about it. And you're all set, you know, then you can, you can uh, give them access to it and they'll tell other people and you kind of see organic growth through, through something like that. So my, my strategy for content creation is just about solving problems. Um, and obviously that's a business strategy too. So like you mentioned the SaaS, I created uh, the social media marketing tool in 2013 and Facebook pages were just kind of taken off. This was very early in, in Facebook page, uh, <laughs> uh, th their history. And I was working with a, like five or six people in a mastermind, like Skype chat. Like we were like, all right, how can we make money off of Facebook pages? And it was all about content delivery. So like figure finding content and then um, getting it scheduled. So it would post at the right time. Like that's literally all there was to it. If you could find good content and post it at the right time, you would go viral. And so I built uh, software to help people do that. And that was like my, my first successful business of my own. Yeah, you mentioned answering people's questions. You reminded me, please send us your questions, everybody. Email me <laughs> at josh at offervault.com. We'd love to talk about it here on the show. You also mentioned AI, and there is nothing Adam likes to talk about more than AI. So I'm curious, how uh, do you plan on AI kind of affecting your side of the space? And I also know from our previous chats that you have your own plan yourself of how you want to incorporate it into the Afflift world. Yeah, I've, I've listened to you guys' conversations about AI and uh, I, I think AI is just like, we're, we're, we're just seeing the beginning of it and the advancement is just so incredibly fast, it's crazy. I started playing with OpenAI like right, right when they released and I got an invite and just playing in the playground area 
and immediately it's just like holy cow like you can literally do anything with this it's there's so many so much opportunity with ai right now i think that it's like overwhelming that you, you don't even know what you should build because you could literally do anything um so early on i started playing around with it and i've got it integrated into Applift a little bit uh we have an ai called einstein and uh, einstein is an actual user on the forum and i'm programming him it's <laughs> it's a slow process uh I, I'm not what I would consider a professional programmer. So, you know, I have plenty of bugs and stuff like that. But uh, Einstein's on what the forum. What does Einstein, or how does Einstein work? Like, what does he answer for, you know, people on the forum? Sure. So Einstein is, uh, uh, he can read every thread on the forum. Uh, so he has access to all of the content. And then he monitors when he's mentioned. So, like, you can, just like on, like, Twitter, you, like, at username somebody, you can mention them. Uh, you can mention Einstein and then he'll read that entire thread and reply. So you can ask him, I mean, it's open AI, so it, it has endless information. And it's actually very knowledgeable about uh, the affiliate industry. I was surprised uh, early on open AI content wasn't, wasn't great about affiliate marketing. You know, it was, it was all right, but it wasn't anything special, but however they uh, built it out, it's, it's gotten incredibly better as far as its responses and its information. It's still stuck in like September, 2021 or whatever. Um, but it's only a matter of time before open, open AI fixes that. Um, Are you yeah, using GPT three, five or four? I am, I'm beta testing both. So I have 3.5 turbo. That's what his primary is, but I do have access to four and uh, it's uh some responses will be four and some responses will be 3.5 turbo. And I'm just essentially split testing it. Uh, four is way more expensive. Like it's yeah, silly, but it doesn't, huh? Hugely. Yeah. It doesn't even, I mean, I guess it's, it's how they figure out the best way to allocate, allocate their resources. Um, but for me, 3.5 turbo is super fast and it does everything that I need to do. Um, but I am testing for, uh, I have Einstein actually send me a draft. I send out a newsletter every Tuesday and Thursday on Athlift to all the members. And the, the newsletter typically is just to highlight different threads and conversations that are going on in the forum. So like, I understand that like not everybody is on the forum all day. Like I am like the average member maybe checks it two to three times per week. So there's a lot of content. It's a forum. It's a freaking message board. So there's, you know, hundreds of posts. And so what I'll do is I'll have Einstein go through every single post since the last time I sent the newsletter and then write me a newsletter highlighting the content that's getting the most engagement. And he does an incredible job. I still end up writing most of the newsletters still because I, I'm not, I don't want to be dependent on AI. And also I understand the value of like having a voice. Like I've written the newsletter for five years now. The members that have been around for a while, they, they know, you know, how I write my newsletter essentially. Um, but you can pass in examples with AI too. So like I'm giving uh, Einstein examples of new newsletters that I've written and he can essentially copy what I, you know, in my style, in my quote unquote voice, uh, he can essentially write what I would write. It's pretty incredible. You know, um, it's interesting. You so, keep saying he, like, you know, I, I, <laughs> I would refer to it as it. Like, do you feel like this is an actual like entity or like you've just gotten so used to working with it it feels so much like a human that instinctually you just say he so and by I'm the way i think this is the future of like ai is like we're gonna kind of blur that barrier right so 
the first thing I did when I decided that I was going to name the AI on Athlift Einstein was I used uh, Midjourney to create an, a an uh, Einstein profile picture. So like Albert Einstein, this profile picture, he looks just like Albert Einstein, uh, but it's like a cartoon created of Albert Einstein um, with Midjourney for, for Athlift. And so I think I probably call him he primarily because he's on the forum. I mean, it's an AI, but his name is Einstein and he has a picture of a man. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you has know, Einstein, probably... has he hallucinated for you yet? You know about this? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, all right. So it's hard to tell whether Einstein's issues are because I programmed Einstein or if it's like an AI but, bug. Was he like, everybody go buy advertising on offervault.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he hasn't done that yet. You know, maybe I'm you can like bullish. play around with him and inject, uh, you know, get a, get some injection going. So he starts randomly talking yeah. about you guys. So wait, but, what were you going to say though? Has he like kind of gone off the rails once or twice? Yes. He, he's definitely had a few moments uh, where he is. Went on a bender. Yes. He likes to reference, like uh, he references the wrong people. It's wild because so you pass in, like, this is the conversation that's happening. But he'll he'll pull somebody out of left field like that is a member of the forum, but isn't in that conversation. So like they say that it has like a thirty day learning phase or something like that. So it uses like I be I believe it uses your data you're passing in from the past thirty days. So like if if Adam posts something in one thread and there's another thread where Adam's not even mentioned, he'll just like reference Adam. <laughs> it's like no, dude, you're not supposed to do that. Um, but yeah, where do you see that, like the where do you see like the biggest uh, value add that it's providing on the forum? Like, what are some of the questions that you see members asking, and some of the real solid answers that it's providing to them? So there was one guy that uh, was complaining. He's like, I don't want this to become like an Einstein forum, and I was like, Dude, I understand that one hundred percent. Like, I don't, you know, a lot of people, you know, you're paying for the experience of other people, not the experience of the internet through Einstein. So like in one thread, I asked, I tagged Einstein, referenced him and like asked for his opinion. And uh, this guy got all upset and replied. And Einstein, because because the guy quoted him, Einstein came in and like replied and made like the literal perfect apology to the guy, like saying like, you know, I don't want this to be an AI forum either. Like the AI is saying, <laughs> and, and he said like, and he, it was insane because he said like the value, he said essentially what I said after the fact, before I said it. So he wasn't referencing what I was saying in the forum, but he essentially said like, you know, he understands like the value is, is in the community as well. And like what they have to say, he's just here to like, try to provide any assistance and stuff. And like, it was just like literally the perfect response. And I was like, holy shit, like, this is, this is nuts, you know, like, and we're so early on this too, like. The development that we've seen over the past two years in AI is astronomical, but like, where is it going to be two years from now? Um, so yeah, I see members, members are using it. They're asking it questions. It's crazy. You can, uh, so like I saw somebody pass in like JavaScript that they found on a landing page. Like they were going through a spy tool, rip this landing page for, you know, some pill offer or something like that probably. But there was like a piece of JavaScript that like was weird at the bottom. And they asked Einstein in the forum, they're like, hey, what is, you know, what's this JavaScript used for? Well, is somebody trying to hijack their link? You know, like they, it was JavaScript to detect whether um, th that the person has stolen their landing page, essentially. And then it was going to redirect people to their affiliate link. Smart thing to do. But like Einstein detected that and he told them, like, you know, this is uh, basically a refresh if your landing page isn't on this domain, blah, blah, blah. 
it was a perfect response and it was exactly what it did. And so I see people like affiliates, I see them using it already on like a technical side. Uh, we've used it for translations. Uh, we wrote a guide on how to use like Einstein to translate your landing page, um, which because I mean, you can do it with like Google Translate or something like that. But uh, OpenAI translation is very good for like 70 languages. Uh, so on the tech side of affiliate marketing, I see a lot of AI. Will, I think it'll be used a lot in the future. Um, and then from like information content, like it's, it's pretty good. It, it will get better once it's more up to date because you guys know like our industry is crazy. It changes, you know, month to month, week to week. So when you're pulling content, you know, it, referencing content from 2021, it may not be as relevant today as it was then. So that that's something that you know with time will will improve and AI will just keep getting better. Luke. My goal is to make it so Afflipt is the place to you know to to utilize that. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say I really appreciate you coming on the show today. We'd love to have you back on. If you guys aren't on Afflipt yet, make sure you check it out. Twenty bucks a month, a ton of valuable information to help you succeed in this industry. For myself, Josh from OfferVault.com, The Call Daddy, Adam Young, as well as Daddy Callbooks, Harrison Gewurz, plus the founder of Afflift, Luke Kling. Let's make that paper. Let's make that dough. This was the Affiliate Marketing Show. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Marketing Show. Want to make